you can get the notes today on our Destiny OKC uh, app or on our website, and um, we'll see how much of it we get through as we step into understanding what I'm entitling this to be, the rhythm of God. The rhythm of God. So we have this rhythm. Uh, at the conclusion of the year, we begin to celebrate what God's done in the course of the year, and then we begin to anticipate and expect what's coming in the year ahead. This is normal for uh, society in which we live, and most people will reference that as a New Year's resolution. And what we're trying to focus in on is an understanding of a New Year's revelation, because resolutions are born from what you're desiring to improve perhaps in your life, but revelation really comes from what God is desiring to address, sometimes contend with, even within us, accelerate uh, different, different areas that he wants to focus on. So every year we bring this emphasis of a New Year's revelation. When you go out these six doors, thank you very much Chrissy and Derek for working hard on this this morning, but when you go out these six doors just in the very back center, uh, today you'll notice on the wall our 2021 New Year's revelation is posted there so that every time we go out of the auditorium this year, we're reminded that we are the gates. You are designed by God to be the the gateway through which the king of glory enters into the earth. Psalms 24, 7, lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the king of glory may come in. So 2021 revelation is open the gates. Let's all say it together. Open the gates. One more time. Open the gates. That's what we're doing in a place of praise and worship. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we gather in and we begin to worship, we're opening the gates and God begins to invade. I want to say it again, you were created to be a gateway for the king of glory to enter in to the earth, to break into your circumstance and your situation. So as we step into this 2021, learning what it is to really be the gates he's called us to be, I want to encourage you in the first 40 days of the year, we always purpose those first 40 days as kind of a consecrated emphasis of digging deeper into what God's choosing to reveal. And really what it, what it helps us do is begin to set patterns, and that's what we're going to talk about, patterns, rhythms, routine. Your patterns reveal your priorities. I promise you, if you think about the patterns of your life, you'll then observe your priorities that exist within your heart. And so uh, what we're trying to do in the first 40 days, you know, we meet here Tuesday morning uh, at 6 a.m. to pray. Uh, we're online, we're on campus both of those spaces during that time. Uh, so maybe in the first 40 days, you would just unusually so devote yourself to make that work just for those 40 days and just come press in. You know, sometimes you just got to do something you've never done to experience something you've never experienced and know something you've never known in terms of even what God's desiring to reveal. Some things come by prayer. Th some things come by fasting and prayer. Jesus clearly teaches us that our level of pursuit many times is what releases his power. And we need to recognize our response to God's revelation determines God's reach within our own life. So I want to encourage you in these first 40 days, purpose to love unconditionally, like really dig deep and just allow the Lord to do a deep work in you. Not, I'm not talking about gritting your teeth to force yourself to love people. I'm talking about discovering something deep within the heart of God that exists within you to love the unlovable all around you. In these first 40 days, really consecrate yourself to the pursuit of God. Uh, turn the page every day, get in the Word. We'll talk a little more about that. Tracy did a great job just opening an explanation of what that looks like generationally. But I want to encourage you, take time to pray. 
purpose to pray in these 40 days, setting a pattern, a new normal in the course of the new year. Take time to serve. Figure out a space where you can serve. One week from today, let me just say, if you are not involved, not engaged, not serving as a part of your church family, or if you're new to us and you're just trying to figure out a little more of who we are, one week from today, following this service, between the two services, we are going to be meeting in the upstairs in that part of the building uh, for what we're covering, calling Discover Destiny. And we're going to introduce you to a six-week concept that you can be a part of if you would like to really grow in terms of a relationship with the church family of Destiny. We'll walk through those details, so I won't go into all of that right now. But if you'll just plan that one week from today, an online uh, campus, we are actually going to be offering that online as well. So those of you on campus, you'll go upstairs. Those of you online, uh, you'll be able to click the link, and we'll get started uh, just about, whatever that is, 11 o'clock um, between the two services. So, uh, you know, honestly, fasting, praying, loving, serving, giving, purposing to worship the Lord with your tithes, your offering in the 40 days. How many of you believe that if you purpose to, uh, to live a generous life, God will bless you beyond measure? How many of you believe that? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. With the same measure you use, it will come back into your life. I mean, it's a really interesting truth and reality. And in these 40 days, I encourage you, find that rhythm of fasting, praying, loving, serving, giving, reading scripture, memorizing. I believe as we step into the new year, we can discover a new normal, and that's actually what will produce a new you. God doesn't want you to stay where you've been. He wants to take you into deeper revelation of his love. And what we need to understand is this is a rhythmic expression. And so that's why the focus today, the rhythm of God. I want you to think about what are some of life's common rhythms. Just breathe in, breathe out. You've had that rhythm since you were born. Breathing is this rhythm. If you just think about for a moment, you have a rhythm of your heart. There's a rhythm that exists. Rhythms are all around us. There is winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring. It's a rhythm, the rhythm of the year. There's the tide that comes in and the tide that goes out. There's the sun that comes up and the sun that goes down. It's just all these places we see rhythm in all creation. The, the, the earth orbits the sun and the moon orbits the earth while orbiting the sun in a certain measure and a certain rhythm that takes place. The Bible says, Psalms 33, 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. I'm going to tie in a few things that we've commonly spoken of and add a few things that are brand new to me that just past couple of weeks, the Lord just began to reveal to me to, uh, to tie in and, and fit these pieces all together. So I'm going to ask you to walk this journey out, think about, there are many components that I'm going to share, and then we're going to put them all into one room and see how, um, how ornate it can become when we see how the Lord has really, over the course of years, been weaving this amazing tapestry of things he's desiring us in this moment in time uh, to embrace. And, and I, I do want to make sure you understand just the depth of what I'm sensing right now. I believe the church has come to a very significant moment. I believe 2020 caused us to rethink a lot of things. 
And 2020, regardless of what you may think, 2020 is not a tool the devil used against you because everything the enemy ever means for evil, God turns to good. 2020 has been a tool in the hand of God, reshaping you and reshaping me and helping us as the church begin to see with greater clarity what I believe to be one of the most profound seasons we have ever entered into in this next season of the body of Christ. Are you prepared for that? How many of you know, like, that's not just something that we wait on God to do. We open the gates. Don't don't wait for a move of God. You are the move of God. Therefore, go and be the move of God everywhere you go. You can't go to church because you are the church. We gather as the church, and then we go and we transform society. Everywhere we go, we carry the presence of God. So think about this. All these rhythms going on. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, all creation came into existence. By the word of the Lord. Now, I love the fact that the Bible describes in Zephaniah 3.17 that God is a singing God. Have you ever read this verse of scripture that says God sings over us? He's a singing God. So what I realized with rhythm everywhere in all creation and the word of the Lord actually created everything that exists, then God didn't necessarily merely speak the world into existence, but God actually sang the world into existence, in my opinion. That's why I think we discover the rhythm of God on the smallest level and on the biggest level. I believe that's why uh, what exists within us is creation, uh, carries a certain measure of interaction with rhythm. There's a, there's a, the right song comes on and you become a performer. Can anybody relate? Don't, don't look at me like you don't ever dance with the hairbrush in your hand or when you're walking through the mall, you hear it. You know, whatever that song is for you, uh, your era, it, all of a sudden it awakens something inside of you and it's because you are created by God to actually be able to interact with the rhythmic expression of the atmosphere around you and you're created to live in the presence of God and angels inside the presence of God are angels, but outside of the presence of God, they malfunction because they no longer have the rhythm that God desires to impart within them. And those angels malfunction and become demons outside of the presence of God. Kings, priests, and prophets outside of the presence of God are enslaved by every passion that ever comes their way. But when they get in the rhythm of the presence of God, they become kings, priests, and prophets. Are there any kings, priests, and prophets in the house declaring the presence of God will prevail in the way we will walk with him? You don't have to teach a fish to swim. You just put the fish in the right atmosphere and it automatically swims. We need to learn how to practice the atmosphere and the presence of God Almighty in the way we love and the way we serve and the way we give. I believe God sang the world into existence. That's why when we zoom in on a microscopic level, we see all these incredible whirling electrons in a certain motion, in a certain rhythm. And when we zoom out, away from the microscopic level into the galaxies, what do we see? Almost like a dance going on as these galaxies revolve around each other. And I mean, the rhythm of God makes the world go round. It really does. It's phenomenal when you think about what's in the heart of God, in the existence of God that has been recreated or released within all of his creation, all of humanity. So all of these ideas come together for this important statement. I want you to think about this statement with me. It is so vital to where we're going and what we're doing and what God is desiring to do in the body of Christ. The Bible is more like music. 
than it is like math. The Bible is more like music than it is like math. Now, this is revealed in a lot of ways, but I started looking at Genesis chapter 1 kind of through this lens of consideration that the Bible is more like music than math. I mean, 2 plus 2 is 4 is great, but I don't feel very much when I say 2 plus 2 is 4, right? Because that's math. But when you give the right music in motion, then I feel something within me being awakened. And so the Bible is more like music than it is like math. If we're not careful, we become like religious Pharisees that treat Scripture like mathematical equations. And we use those mathematical equations to judge other people. And it reproduces something of a hateful arrogance rather than a loving sense of the heart of God. The Bible is more like music than it is like math. It actually, the Bible actually would draw people in, not push people out. Jesus came, we talked this last week, to reverse the order from exclusive to inclusive. Unto us this child was born. And he brings all humanity into a place of experiencing something almost rhythmic that's in the heart of God. And we're drawn in by it. That's why you and I are called the salt of the earth and the light of the world. People thirst for what they sense when they sense the spirit of the living God actually alive within us. The Bible is more like music than math. Genesis 1, God creates the sky on day one, and then three days later, he populates the sky on day four. Genesis 1, God creates the water on day two, and then three days later, he populates the water on day five. God creates the land on day three, and three days later, he populates the land. You see the rhythmic expression, even reading in Scripture. If, if, if somebody in the room were a, a Hebrew scholar, then you would be resonating deeply with what I'm saying because I've heard so many Hebrew scholars speak so far beyond my ability to comprehend or intellectually understand. But the rhythmic nature of even the Hebrew language and that which is written in Scripture, the poetic gesture that we see, even in these verses in the very beginning, are so phenomenal. The reason all of this is so important for us to understand, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, he's going to reach today. I want you to hear me by the Spirit of the Lord. Because I felt like the Lord was saying, today, God wants to, re to reach beneath layers where we've allowed him to go because of disappointment, discouragement, and despondency that have existed in our lives. In other words, sediment has come over those places of disappointment and they're just completely dead. There's no real, uh, there's no sense of emotion going that deep into whatever those areas of our lives are because perhaps we saw some sense of discrepancy between this all-powerful God and this problem that I have and if he's all-powerful, why do I have this problem? If he's all-powerful, why am I not experiencing this? Now, I want to address this today from a very unusual perspective. When we talk about the Bible being more like music than it is like math, we need to comprehend something significant. The Bible actually purposefully reveals tensions in Scripture. Purposefully reveals tensions in Scripture. This is why it's important that we understand the Bible is more like uh, music than math. Because tensions revealed mathematically are problems that need to be solved, requiring equations that we comprehend, understand, and solve the problem. But tensions that exist in music actually are not problems to be solved, but they serve as enhancements to authenticity of what it is that we feel. 
So I'll speak a little bit of um, Mark Lira's love language. I'm going to talk a little bit about guitar chords and, and piano chords and all those as well, but I'm going to align because I'm a guitarist uh, with what this is. But you need to understand from this standpoint, I'll give you an illustration of attention and then we'll break down why this is so significant and how to comprehend and understand it so that we can get past some of the things that we've allowed to die that are settled beneath the, the sediment because we've simply given up on ever reconciling the tension that exists within our mind. And, and the tensions exist in scripture where we see the book of Proverbs showing us very clearly that a, um, a virtuous life results in blessing. How many of you know that's what Proverbs is? 31 chapters of a virtuous life always results in blessing. That's the equation that we see. I'm talking mathematical terms. When you look at that and you evaluate it from that, a virtuous life produces great blessing. When I, when I do things relationally, according to the book of Proverbs, then relationally I'm blessed. When I do things financially, according to the book of Proverbs, then financially I'm blessed. Every way we see these 31 chapters, this entire book is about a virtuous life that results in great blessing. How many of you are glad for the book of Proverbs that we can read about how to access and unlock so much of what God desires for us to Possess. But the tension exists when we then skim over to the book of Job. And now we see a virtuous life is actually at the core of why he had so many problems. Have you considered my servant Job? Virtuous life. And suddenly he gets attacked. This is a tension that we see in Scripture. Mathematically, I've just created a problem that in the hands of a skeptic would say, well, this is why we cannot trust the Bible. Because the skeptic takes a mathematical approach to what God is desiring to reveal. The Bible is more like music than math. And when we see what God is revealing from a musical standpoint, it's completely different. <clears throat> so, a C chord. This would be C major, position one, three, five, like C, E, G. Am I saying all that right? C, E, G is a C major chord. If you mess up one of the notes on purpose and you move three to four, you no longer have one, three, five, C major chord. You have a one, four, five. It's a suspended chord. And that's the problem in the world of math. Whenever you mess with little notes in the midst of all these chords, you find suspended chords, you find augmented chords, you find diminished chords, you find messed up stuff. And in the world of math, it's problematic, but in the world of music, do you remember the hymns that concluded with the, the, the long, amen, you remember those hymns? That's a suspended chord. That's a suspended chord. See, in music, you don't avoid tensions. You embrace them. You press into them. You make it louder. You feel it more. When you encounter these tensions that we read about or discover in Scripture, we need to learn to press into the tension and feel more deeply what it is God is revealing. It's not something to put you off. It's something to actually take you deeper into an understanding that, yes, thank God, a virtuous life will produce blessing, but we live in a fallen world, though we serve this risen King, and there are going to be some times that my virtuous life doesn't mathematically conclude with what I expected for it to conclude, but God is still good.
I'm waiting. Come on, the grandeur of God. Fill the room right now. Come on. Let's honor this King Jesus who's worthy of our praise. Come on, give him praise like the world of music is awakened within you under the creative expression of God Almighty. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is alive forevermore. He is God and he is good no matter what those tensions may be that experience in our lives. Proverbs and Job with tensions blaring actually cause us to live more fully in a world where virtue is often rewarded but can sometimes be disrupted. And when it is, when it is disrupted, keep singing. When problems come, keep singing. When disappointment knocks you flat, keep singing. God inhabits the praises of his people. Therefore, when you enter into a place of problem and you rejoice without ceasing, pray without ceasing. I mean, do you understand the Bible gives us this, give thanks how often? Always in that place of problem, when we lift our hands and open our hearts, we become the gates to actually allow the King of Glory to have access into the world. In moments of discouragement, suddenly his power rushes in, and God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine, no matter what it is that may be going on. I don't know what all you've gone through in your life. But I do know God is good. I do know God is faithful. I do know that we can rise up in any circumstance. And even if my situation around me doesn't change, something within me does. Smith Wigglesworth said, when I come to the realization that everything that is happening around me actually is taking place to make me more like Jesus, then it it relieves a great deal of anxiety. We live in a fallen world, but we serve a risen king. And our risen king spoke all creation, I believe, in the rhythmic expression of the song that actually can be awakened within us even when we feel like we cannot sing, if we will purpose to sing even in those moments. And the Bible actually says to us that when the Israelites, and historians tell us this consistently, but when the Israelites would go into bondage, when they were captive in Babylon, and, you know, different places of captivity and bondage that they would go into, when they would go into places of bondage, they would always lose their song. And we read this in Psalms 137, 1 to 4, by the rivers of Babylon we sit down and weep. For there our captors ask us to compose songs, those who mock saying, sing for us a song about Zion. How can we sing a song to the Lord in a foreign land? Wow. Our song is a weapon in the hand of God. Our song is a weapon in the hand of God. Our song is not a response or a reaction to that which is good circumstantially. Our song is a reaction or a response to him who is good always. 
no matter what those circumstances may be. And when we worship the Lord, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 32, every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing rod will be to the music of tambourines and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. In other words, give God a beat, possess the song of the Lord, and suddenly God's righteous right hand will begin to the rhythm of your song to destroy your enemies. Do not give up singing. Continue to rise up. I'm speaking to some places way down deep beneath sediment that you've not even allowed to have any sense of possibility of hope because you've grown so discouraged. I'm awakening a song way down there, way down in that space deep within your soul. God is wanting to awaken something because we are coming into a season where the church is going to rise up and be strong and we need every dream that's ever died to come back to life in this next season of the church. It's got to be there. David's worshipful sound was a powerful weapon, 1 Samuel 16, 23. David would take the harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed, and the evil spirit would depart. There's more going on under the sound of the song than that which you're hearing with our ears. The reason a rhythmic expression begins to get a sense of resonating within you is because there's something spiritual about music. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing, and the foundations were shaken, and the chains fell off, and the guards woke up to the purposes of God. They were, they were in prison. It was a midnight hour, and they were in a difficult place, and they chose in that moment in time just to begin singing, and all of a sudden, foundations started being shaken. Chains started breaking off of all the prisoners, and the guard outside who was asleep started waking up to the eternal purposes of God. What happens when we sing we can embrace the rhythm of God as a way of life if we develop patterns of pursuing God consistently now I'm just going to take a few minutes and break this down in a real practical way because we preachers tend to be good at talking about what We're not always great at explaining how. But I'm going to challenge you in this in a very practical, practical way. First, imagine, you know, we've just come through Christmas. How many of you have a meaningful ornament? Anybody have like a meaningful, not like you bought the box of all the red bulbs, but like there's an ornament that means something that you're you're hanging on to and you can think of it as better. Anybody here? Okay, uh, so I want you to imagine with me that perhaps... Three generations ago, your grandmother, she bought this cherished ornament. And all of her life, she put it on her tree. And then your grandmother, she actually called her son, your father, and said, this is such a meaningful, every year we put this on the tree and we, we, you know, we talk about how God's done this and I want to give this to you. And your father has had that ornament and now your father has given you that ornament. How many of you think you wouldn't just carelessly toss it in the box, but you would specifically place it where you would every year pull it out and give it special attention, and one day you would want and hope to give that to the generation after you? We all get this? I'm trying to get you to think in terms of heirloom and treasure, because I'm somewhat exhausted at times with describing turn the page to people at times that will come to me and say, well, that's great, I just don't do that. Uh, I've got my digital plan. I do my own thing. I I want you to know, I think it's great you do your own thing. And you should. 
But you really should listen because this is something very specific and very strategic that the Lord has birthed in this house for us to embrace that will impact generations long after we're gone. Because if you will take an old-fashioned Bible and every day turn the page and put the date at the top of the page and commemorate as we have our children's first steps, we'll put in there the day that they get married, uh, our girls, uh, you know, in the whole progression of their life, looking at, we see all these things. I go back through my old Bibles, and, and one day those Bibles are actually going to be heirlooms that we hand to our children, and their children are going to hand them to their children's children, and I'm going to be gone. I'm no longer going to have that rhythm of breath and heartbeat, but that will still remain and my journaling notes that I've written in there and the different things that have mattered to me are in these Bibles, in these books that generations after me, legacy, you understand what I'm saying? They'll look through and they'll begin to understand that we come from a lineage of people who have served God with their whole hearts and everything they are and it will awaken an unborn generation to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm convinced of it. This is an important rhythm for us to understand as uh, Christians. And so if you go to our website, you might just jot it down, but if you go to destinyokc forward slash, I'm sorry, destinyokc.com forward slash turn the page, then you'll see this. You just click on that, turn the page picture, and then it'll take you to another spot where you can look, get all kinds of resources. You have to scroll down in this, and that's what I've done here on this next one. This is my, out of my Pastor Dude blog where these links are live. And you'll see a 60-second explanation of Turn the Page. I want to challenge every one of you. This week, take 60 seconds and watch this with your family dynamic, whatever your family dynamic is. Just watch the explanation of it to understand how it works, why it works, and why it's important you even read when parts of the Bible you don't understand. It explains it all in there, and you can also click there every time you start into the next book of the Bible. When you get to the Italian book of the Bible, Malachi, then you can actually, before you start to read into that book of Malachi, then you can go on that website and click Jesus in the Bible. You will find 66 sermons of how Jesus is remarkably, uniquely revealed in each and every one of the 66 books of the Bible. You get a little bit of history, a little bit of context, and then when you read the book of Malachi, when you read the book of Obadiah, when you read the book of whatever it is you're reading, right as soon as you go into it, you watch that 30-minute message, and now you get a sense of what was going on in Israel and how Jesus is remarkably uniquely revealed. You know what we've done? We've worked hard to truly make disciples. We are now putting these resources in your hands so that you can develop rhythms in your life that will perpetuate beyond your life into the legacy that God is desiring to awaken through your surrendered, available life. And so we're zoomed in right now on a rhythm, a daily rhythm, and we zoom out on an annual rhythm, a New Year's revelation. It's all about rhythm. It's finding these places of rhythm in your life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. My goodness. There's something to standing here speaking to you about what we have worked to develop over many, many years. I cannot explain to you how meaningful and enriching it is just personally 
to think how God's been culminating to this moment. But you cannot just sit back and hope God takes care of it because you are part of the plan. So this is going to be a phenomenal year where we open the gates. Who are the gates? Everybody say, we are the gates. We are the gates. We can't just sit back and wait for a move of God because we are the move of God. So I'm asking you to find a rhythm of seeking God in a place of prayer. I believe, in fact, uh, Denise shared Tuesday morning prayer this last week. And she began to talk about what she's seeing in terms of this season of enlarging and increasing. And man, so many people have been saying that. And I just, you know, so many times difficulty comes right before a breakthrough hour happens. Isn't that the way it works? And I'm just declaring 2020 has been preparation for a breakthrough hour in the body of Christ. Business is enlarging, whatever all that looks like, not for the purpose of our building our kingdom, but that we'll really understand what it is to lay all of that at the feet of Jesus. And Denise shared how I know, 20 years, she said, 20 years, she's just thought, Lord, uh, you could bring a check, you could bring a check, just, you know, surprise me with a check, surprise me with a check. And she said, instead of focusing on bring a check, she recently just started saying, I'm just going to give sacrificially. She started giving in an entirely different realm than what she'd been giving before that. And then she went home last week or whenever it was just recently, and there's a check for thousands of dollars, unexpected surprise check that was in her mailbox. And I just thought, it's really indicative of what God's desiring to do in this next season. And I want to say to you, don't just sit back and wait for God to do something or you're going to find yourself in 2021 standing in an empty field where you didn't sow any prayer. You didn't sow any fasting. You didn't sow any finances. You didn't sow any giving into relationships that are around you. You've got to sow it so that you can grow it because you are the gateway to the King of Kings breaking into the earth. Come on, let's all stand together. <clears throat> He's doing something remarkable in this season of the church. This is a great way to conclude our 2020 in a place of worship, in a place of celebration, in a place of digging deep beneath the sediment where dreams got buried this is what I've learned about something that comes from God that gets buried that's what makes it come to life Jesus got buried I mean you can do what you want to that which is actually born of the origin of God but three days later he came back to life you can crucify it, you can put it in a tomb you can seal it, you can put Roman soldiers there to cover it up and, and protect it but if the origin of that is actually from God, it's coming to life in the right season of time. How many of you believe this is the right season of time for God to begin to awaken some things that you've allowed maybe to die and you've actually chosen not to focus on because of the tension that existed and the frustration and the disappointment? Welcome to the wonderful world of music in the kingdom of God. Where tensions exist to deepen our authenticity and awaken something of humanity that ties in and correlates with deity as Jesus has come. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you. Would you just surrender to Jesus right now? Just in your way, just surrender to Jesus. Wherever you are on this faith journey, 
a posture of surrender. There's always room to grow. It might be your first step to say, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe that's uh, your surrender moment. Maybe just they're dead dreams and you say, I'm just going to surrender these dreams to God. I'm going to let them be awakened once. I'm going to be willing to dream once again. Father, I pray that you would awaken things within us because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. I thank you for the remarkable power of the Holy Spirit that has been deposited within it, each and every one of us who surrender to the cross of Christ. We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we give you praise as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, if you agree that he is your Savior and your Lord, why don't you give him a hand clap of praise and a declaration of your mouth. Jesus, you are worthy, worthy, worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our praise. Come on, let's cooperate with the rhythm of the Spirit just for a few moments in a place of worship. And let me encourage you, if today is the day you're taking a significant step in your faith, wherever that is, maybe the starting point, but maybe it's another area, then I want to ask you to fill out the connect card in that seat back in front of you. Drop it in one of our giving stations and let us connect with you this week to walk you through the process of growing deeper in your relationship with the Lord. Plan to join us next Sunday in a Discovering Destiny where we can talk through some of that. If you're online, send a shout out right now, a message to Dana so that we can connect with you online and walk you through some details just of growing deeper. Aren't you hungry for the Lord? Is anybody in the room just awakened with a deeper sense of appetite to the Lord? I'm so hungry. Lord, we just welcome you to have your way in this coming year. We will open the gates that the King of glory may come in. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, part of our congregational assignment is to press in this place of worship just for a few moments before we go. Would you just join in and declare with your voice an attitude of your heart that says Jesus is Lord.